0: Clay, at this point, which is the worst to Paul storyline through four seasons of Star Trek Enterprise or three seasons, 3.1 seasons, however you want to look at it? Is it her drug addiction to fuel her emotional escapades with Trip or is it the fourth season continuation of the idea that she still, after going back in time to Detroit, after Archer saves the day by knowing the future, after meeting Daniels after talking to the sphere builders who are time traveling agents themselves uh, yes. and then flying into world war two in an alternate history, still kind of not really believing in time travel on the, <laughs> on the face of things, which is mm. the
1: more embarrassing storyline for to Paul. Do you think? Uh, I think at this point I'm going to go time travel um, because it's like, even in the X files, Scully eventually saw a UFO and she was like, okay, yeah, this is, I understand now. Um they just keep showing to Paul the UFO and she just keeps blaming it on swamp gas.
0: Denying its reality. I know. Yeah. It's uh I think they 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 almost kind of do it as a joke here, I think, because she even gives up on it a little bit, but it's a it's a dedication mm-hmm. to character that that enterprise is continuing to have her not really believe in time travel despite all evidence
1: to the contrary. Um, well what I like about this show more than anything else is the consistency of the characters so I appreciate it
0: yeah it's it's a sign of great writing to have your characters do exactly the same thing endlessly All right, so this is Stormfront we're going to be covering both parts of this one it's a two-parter but we're going to be covering them both in one podcast episode it's called Stormfront let's take a break we'll play a clip from that episode and then we'll come back and we'll break it down
1: Rita Hayworth Veronica Lake Betty Grable. (laughs) Americans are good at making movies. They're not so good at fighting. Someday, I will go to Hollywood and I will meet Betty Grable. Maybe you will introduce me. What do you think?
0: (laughs) She's not your type. (laughs) Stormfront is two blurbs that i have to get through it is the first and second episodes of the fourth season of star trek enterprise it came out on october 8th and a week later whatever that was the 15th or something of 2004 the first one is arc 1 of 2 in the stormfront arc it's 12 of 13 in the temporal cold war arc and it is 26 <laughs> of 28 in the zindi crisis Written by Manny Koto, directed by Alan Croker, in-universe date. Not known, but it's the alternate history of 1944. In this episode, the first part, Archer and his crew find themselves in Earth's past with events of World War II altered by the Temporal Cold War. And then, in the second one, it is two of two in the Stormfront arc, 13 of 13 in the Temporal Cold War arc. Hooray! 27 of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc. Where's 28 coming? <laughs> Written by Manny Cotto, directed by David Strayton In-universe State unknown, it's alternate 1944 and 2154. In the second part, with the unlikely help of Silic Archer closes in on the temporal operative whose actions have altered Earth's past and threatened to destroy all of time. Here we are with the fourth seasons. of Star Trek Enterprise.
1: It is also the 11th studio album from Billy Joel, which... Few people realize is also about time traveling Nazi aliens. Stormfront that's where Part Two. We didn't start two. the it's, fires th- about
0: the, 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 yeah. Full, yeah, the full title of his uh, magnum opus. Here we are in season four of Enterprise. We have a new showrunner, in Minikoto. We have new production techniques. They're shooting on digital now. Uh, hmm. They're shooting on cameras oh, really? that no, look like fun. what I used when I was um, in college, taking uh, like TV and film production courses. Um, <laughs> it's funny how the tech has aged. And we have – is there anything else new? No, we're just closing out the storyline that the third season ended on, which is where we went to Nazi – or America in 1944. We saw Nazis in San Francisco, and one of them had a clear case of alienitis on him. Cut to black. Here we are in part two. Do you want to talk about the production? You you seem surprised that it's digital. I – being honest, I watched both of these on my phone – Last night, so I could not tell the difference as
1: they were meant to be seen. <laughs> Martin Scorsese tweeted about it. The best way to watch somewhere, somewhere, David Lynch is giving you a standing ovation for your <laughs> commitment to I, intentional screening media. I put the iPad down. I
0: said no we're doing this the real way the way God intended. Uh, I watched it on my phone. It was very difficult to tell any difference on my phone and before we started recording mm. I put it on Netflix and I watched it on Netflix. It's definitely it's definitely visible that this is now digital because it looks like a soap opera in a lot of scenes, but I didn't think it was awful to the to the point where it's like wow this looks really really different. I thought it, it I thought it looked worse but not appreciably so. Did you know you, did you notice mm. anything?
1: I actually didn't. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it didn't stand out to me. I, and now that you say that, I, I, like, I, I don't remember thinking it looked any different. Really, maybe I just wasn't paying attention to that. Um, there was actually one scene. <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus. Um, that I thought was particularly good looking, actually, uh, which was the alleyway shootout con- confrontation scene where they where they run into the the alien in the fedora in the trench coat yeah where they shoot the entire thing in silhouette i actually thought that looked really nice that was a nice uh, kind of reveal and stuff for that <clears throat> but um yeah i guess i didn't really notice the only thing i can say now that you say that is aside from that scene in my memory it feels a little brighter than usual but i it's don't know bri- if that's it's just brighter. because they're yeah yeah
0: i, I think it's I, I would assume the brightness, Which is, funny, ha- is from shooting digital. That it has to be brighter at this point in its technology. It's not like film, um, where they could be a little bit more uh, soft and things like that. I, I, I noticed it most on close-ups in faces. Mm. It looks like there's a, it looks like they haven't photoshopped photoshopped the, um, the. Uh, like skin imperfections on people you notice it in digital and you don't really notice it in film as much as a softer image but i didn't think it looked terrible it does have a soap opera look i'm sure you'll notice it on the next one once you start looking for it um it's one of those things Mm -hmm. but it was i'll have to i'll
1: have to look at uh i'll have to look at maybe the the last episode back to back um and so i can see if there's a, a a difference that it stands out to me
0: yeah that that's probably the last we'll talk about until we talk about it next episode when you go oh yeah i did notice this at this point but uh here we're done with it it's and i'll new say thing. to you
1: did you realize they've started to shoot on digital this season? <laughs> and you'll say no i didn't realize that at all
0: the episode order of season four is cut way down they're shooting on digital at this point the uh paramount or whatever is not giving out a lot of money uh for this season, it's kind of a surprise that they got season four at this point, but they did. We have a new showrunner. We have a bunch of new writers. A bunch of writers from the previous seasons have disappeared. We have new group coming in and some returning people that we'll see as we move on. But that's enough of the boring stuff. What do you think of Stormfront Parts 1 and 2 as a whole?
1: Um cold war is over it's yeah man i i have never felt so happy i actually got to feel it twice because um when daniel showed up when he (laughs) was twisted and like he had just come out of uh out of the Brundlefly machine um and he seemed to die on the operating table there i got very excited because i thought that meant that he was dead um but then he comes back at the end only to, I assume, die again or maybe just get sent back to the future. I don't know. But either way, he dissolved into a bright beam of light while we got to watch clips of the Clinton inauguration. I H- guess. History rewriting um, itself
0: in the background.
1: Yeah. I'm going to need some help with that because I didn't totally track how that ended up. I'm, I'm not going to talk. We'll get there.
0: I'm not going to talk about the, the time travel implications <laughs> of this because I don't think like I <laughs> I think that there's there is a way to go really deep on this to like explore what they're talking about in terms of timeline resetting and whether or not this would like mm-hmm. logically make sense. Honestly, my, my takeaway from these episodes is that Kodo was ruthlessly efficient with fixing the ending of last season yeah. and closing the Cold
1: War and just saying we're going to we're just done with this thing. And yeah. I, I I knew I knew it was coming, but it was nice to see like it the Daniels part wasn't the part that told me the Cold War stuff was was over. It was Silic getting shot to death. Yeah, that told me that the Cold War was <laughs> over. I was like, OK, he this guy's fucking dead. We're done with this. They gave you- uh, Daniels okay. He turns into uh, little lights or whatever, and then I'm assuming that's the the last we'll see of them.
0: Yes, These, this is the last appearance of Silic <coughs> and Daniels in this series, so they're they're gone. The Cold War is over. It's not just a tease. Um, you know, it's also they even kind of hint at Silic. They're like, we w- whenever they let the actor run around without makeup on, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's yes. that it's the get out of jail free card for that day. It's like, you're you're not going to be this Silic mm-hmm. guy anymore. So just relax. I. I mean, the positives I have for this one are really just a sense of I'm glad they closed all of this stuff out. And the Cold War stuff actually, like, I understand that they're working with what had come before them. I thought in some ways the Daniels that I saw here was actually a little bit just a little bit closer to the Daniels that I have in my mind's eye about what Daniel should actually be when he's speaking to Archer on his deathbed. he's a little bit more vague about what's happening it's still it's still right. not perfect yeah. I think but he's still he's just kind of generally talking in terms of like the timelines are compromised and like you have to you have to do something about this. I can't do it because i I went through the machine that mixed up my insides and made me old and young at the same part and I thought that that was okay. And I think that they, what they did was not get super specific with the Cold War stuff. They were just like, here's the general idea of what we know. These are the aliens who are trying to do it. Let's kill them and we'll close the books on all of this story. And I think, again, the weakness of it is that I kind of like the Nazi aliens in this for like how little you actually get to interact with them. But at the same time, because this is the first time you've ever seen them, there's very little that you can work with here besides the fact of what i think the episode does is basically makes them time travel nazis like they they speak with german accents and they they have a, a an like a an ethos that is basically a ramped up version of what the nazis were after which is this kind of domination not of just the globe i think one of them has a line like we're not after just planets we're after like time and the universe itself and so like, okay, they're just bigger Nazis. So I'm not going to feel bad when they die, and I don't have to think about this all too much. But that was it, I think, for the time war, yeah. the time Cold War stuff.
1: Yeah, I um, as it was kind of wrapping up, I I was uh, I'll admit that my attention was not entirely held by what was going on, and so <laughs> I I I don't know if I missed something, but when they blew up that gun on top of the building the the not big nazi laser gun that immediately reset the timeline in a way that i couldn't track because my understanding of what was going on was they were there trying to build a machine to send them back to the future but if they got back to the future then then they would start the cold the the temporal cold war Mm -hmm. so destroying that machine it's like a paradox on top of a paradox, I guess, because destroying the machine means they can't go back to the future, which means they could never come back from the future to ruin the the, the timeline? Is that why everything yeah, well, resets? I, I, I guess the question would be
0: because of what happens, does all of the stuff that has regarding the Cold War that happened the past three seasons, does that no longer exist in the timeline? Because the Cold War never no never
1: starts at that point, you know? I'm more concerned about Brooklyn. You know, sure. I, the, I, it's because uh, <laughs> rules of time travel seem to imply that what has already happened has still happened. So I don't know why blowing. I don't know. Whatever. My eyes have gone crossed. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's over. <laughs> I don't. I
0: don't think it super matters, really. <laughs> like I. <clears throat> It's a weird episode because if I if it wasn't so obvious and if I hadn't just read that this is 13 and 12 and 13 out of the Cold War arc, which is 13 episodes, you'd probably have a bigger place to complain about this one. Right. You'd be like, well, Mm -hmm. what the the hell is going on with the temporal Cold War? Like, how how are there going to be more episodes based off of this? I. I watched this one, as I said, on my phone. And it did feel to me, even right from the outset, I had a kind of energy. I was like, "I just got to get through these two episodes of Stormfront." Like, I just have to watch these things to see what's happening. And it's not even. And I think you're allowed that because I knew going in that the Cold War is over after this. So that's kind of in the back of my mind. But it's also, you know, it's also just it. It feels like the writers are saying it. At one Archer at the end says. Basically, I think the entire writing staff and everyone watching is thing, he says, we're done with you and your damn temporal Cold War. And then he just beams out of there or whatever. And it's like, yeah, we're done with it. It took whatever messy steps it needed to get there, it took, uh, it, and it kind of wiped off the plate. You're free to talk I about was, the, um, the Cold War if you want, but I, I think that it's, there's a, there's a larger aspect that's not so in the details about the temporal Cold War that I think this episode best exists in,
1: in a sense, mm. but... It's up to you. Yeah, the, o- the only other thing that I was going to say about it is that it, it reminded me of, uh, I couldn't help thinking about the that fairly recent Rick and Morty episode where they t- start doing time travel where the snakes keep jumping back through time and creating paradox on top of paradox on top mm-hmm. of paradox. Where it's like the, the the temporal Cold War is like a cool idea and it sounds cool, but I I think you, you kind of see from this that implementation of that E- unless you've got a good idea on how to do it, it just turns into mush. Yeah. And so, at the end here, we ended up with a mush of temporal Cold War that never really got off the ground. Um, was never, <clears throat> it never really got interesting. Like it, they kept dropping beats that were supposed to be like, oh, okay, now things are getting going. But even those beats were kind of like lackluster. Uh, it, it never, it never really amounted to anything, and then here it, it never really amounts to anything, but but it's over. But uh, how, what was the, uh, the positive that you were going to say?
0: For, I mean, the positive of the Cold War is that, to what you're saying, this is the first episode where they're forced to explain what's going on, and they have no time to explain mm-hmm. what's going on. So, you, like, the introduction of whatever these aliens are called, but Vosk is their leader, the gray-skinned aliens with the red eyes. Um, I... In a Star Trek sense, I don't mind this setup that they've done. Like, I think it's Mm -hmm. kind of ridiculous that they went back to World War II. But I like this idea of the time-traveling aliens who are going to cause the problem being stuck in the past and they can't do what they need to do quickly because Earth's 1944 technology is not good enough for them to build the weapon that they need to get back. Sure, I, I thought that that was kind of a... it's. I th- what I think this episode succeeds at is it does as good as it can with the garbage in that it was getting and it kind of sorts mm. it in a way that you go like mm. okay whatever I'm not going to I'm not going to think about this episode whatsoever but they did a decent job of keeping the 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 production line going and closing it off at the very end of it and so it's like yeah while I didn't enjoy this episode I I almost appreciated it on a writing level of Good job just to get this done in a way
1: that moderately held my attention the entire time, you know? Yeah, I would agree. I, I do think um, <clears throat> while I think they fall back on some fairly cliche stuff like going back in time and being rescued by a uh, uh, Alfred Woodard from First Contact, basically. Yeah. Um, like they, they basically just lifted that whole thing from first contact and added the added a little bit of first contact and a little bit of uh, city on the edge of forever and and uh, you know you got the character from this and the end the ending I shot do, I, do, is I do Voyager
0: the the when the the ship arriving oh, sure. home that's yeah. that's the Voyager ending
1: yeah yeah um, but yeah I I do think they kind of did make lemonade out of this to a certain extent um, and I agree with what you're saying where it's it's not they they definitely were kind of painted into a corner as to how to handle this stuff and the way they chose to do it is is not bad i think I think you're right I think the the aliens are are fairly interesting even though they're kind of limited by their cliche uh what if the Nazis actually won the war kind of stuff and, yeah but um yeah, I didn't think I didn't think it was awful. I, I actually th- I feel like for the for the material that they had to work with, I thought it was fine. It falls back on some of the hallmarks of the show, which is in the last twenty minutes we just start shooting people, but it actually kind of works in this one because it's more of the era, I yeah. guess, to to have that be in your finale. It did I... have some of the most needless exposition I've ever heard in a in a t- TV show, where <laughs> um, the the girl and the two roustabout guys and archer about to go into somewhere to rough somebody up and before they can go in there they have to stop to make sure everybody knows that these guys used to be loan sharks and it's like <laughs> just looking and listening to these guys tells you these guys are loan shark characters from a mob movie you don't need to explain it i've it's seen one of um, them in the best be.
0: mob mob uh, television show ever created um
1: i always i know actors oh, was have that a sopranos guy i thought it bobby, was
0: bobby bobby yeah, it's bobby bacala um the Tony oh, Shriverpa yeah. or whatever the big guy, the heavy set guy. Um, I always wonder about things like that. I know actors are actors, and they have to work, and they their pay depends on working. But it's very funny to me when you see Bobby Bacala, who's a well known face from Sopranos, one of the greatest television shows ever produced, is a like secondary, not even like tertiary role in a Star Trek Enterprise episode. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like about World War Two Nazis um, and even. Even there, he's
1: getting typecast. Yes. He's, he's got the... I, you're going to be on Star Trek. Oh, that's great. I can't wait to put on the makeup. No, <laughs> you're not going to do any of that. You're just going to wear a fedora, and you're just going to talk like the way you do now and point a gun at people. Oh, I see.
0: I like to imagine him. He's got like a thick uh, British aristocratic accent, and the, the Italian yes. accent is just, an, <laughs> it's just a ruse. He's like, why have I been
1: typecast again?
0: Um, I, sir, was in Royal Shakespeare. <laughs> you're just so damn good at playing a fat italian guy.
1: Yeah, I They never do this to Sir Patrick.
0: I Like I you, you were talking about the um there's a couple of points I wanted to go here. Uh there are there like I I think what undoes this one and makes it barely watchable is that it does feel in its uh attempt to wrap everything up. It's an extremely cliché Star Trek episode. It's um, like we talked about all the homages or like sort of riffs on things. It's like the first contact thing. The uh, ending, which is just Voyager done again. Uh, the To me, it felt a lot like uh, past tense, which is that two-parter in DS9 where they go back in time to the... To the, the poor, the, like the bad parts of the USA and Cisco becomes oh, sure. that bell, yes. Gabriel Bell or whatever that guy's mm-hmm. name was. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that episode was very good. And this felt a lot of the same. And I think what they're trying to say is that like when the Nazis invaded, everybody started working together. Like the loan sharks took up the cause, you know, and like they're working with black women and black men. And there's no like no the racial and. Socioeconomical divisions that existed in the time have just disappeared because everyone's working together against the nazis which is fine the show doesn't really Mm -hmm. hammer on it but Mm -hmm. it it i was it felt pretty cliche
1: yeah i was actually surprised um how how much the nazis laid in on the racial stuff there was some dialogue in that from what when archer was walking with the woman the nazis were saying some stuff to her where i was like wow i can't believe they did this on syndicated tv on on a star trek show this is pretty pretty rough Uh, a
0: a little bit out of um a little bit out of the point of the episode too which was surprised which was the reason Mm -hmm. it was surprising to me it was like if they hadn't said anything i would have been like yeah that's typical normal star trek they're just going to ignore that kind of stuff but i all i can think about is that you know in this age of um horrible headlines that are designed to get you to click and be outraged about something it's just like Why does the Why does the Star Trek franchise insist on having white males explain to black females about how the future is going to be? They do it. um, (laughs) I don't think it's in. It's not. I mean, two times is not a uh, a method mo or any a habit or anything like that. But I just don't. It it, it was so redundant of the first contact storyline. I found it somewhat distracting. And I was just thinking about the First Contact storyline. And um, yeah. that that character is fine. I think that Alfred Woodard in First Contact is more memorable than this character, who's in this one, this, this mm-hmm. woman who's in this story. But I think generally all of the tertiary characters in this suffer from not being memorable whatsoever. And the only reason I know that one is named Sal is because they say his name 5,000 times and I have to remember it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about it And this is actually um, kind of a better version of Carpenter Street down to the fact that it's the same thing where they're trying to build a a germ warfare weapon to destroy the earth. Yeah, um, some some kind of machine
0: is going to destroy the timeline as we know it.
1: Yeah. No, it's li- it's literally a plague. They they mention it in the first episode where they're talking to the German guy and they're like, "What if we could tell you? What if we could build you a plague weapon that would wipe everybody out that you wanted to wipe out?" And I was like, "This is exactly what fucking oh, Carpenter Street was." Sure, sure. Um, Were and, they being uh, truthful about
0: that? It, I guess I, I guess that I kind of know. washed. I mean, oh, yeah, okay. All right. I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but because it, it, I it never comes up again. I mean, no. it was just oh, he just says it in passing. And but it, it's it still has the same kind of. Uh, um uh through line and i say it's a better one because i think the change that they make is for the better which is the aliens are trying to do are trying to do bad stuff but they're they're uh hampered by 1940s technology yeah (laughs) uh so like if if the zindi guys yeah if the zindi guys were trying to build a futuristic germ warfare weapon out of you know the inner workings of a of a Chrysler or something. It would yeah. have been. It would have been probably a little bit more interesting, a little bit more like weird kind of steampunk or something. But
0: what you what did you think of? Because I I don't know. I liked these aliens actually. I I like the mm-hmm. I like their sort of energy. I like I love their look. I think they're actually kind of scary looking. And I think that the mm.
1: you didn't you didn't like them. Um, I, I think that the... I don't know. Go ahead. They are. The, the makeup is great, like the makeup looks fantastic. But their design feels a, a little too mid 2000s y Like there's mm-hmm. it, it feels like a it, it it feels like a fairly stock sort of look for a, a, a humanoid monster that they were doing around that time. Sure. I think um, they look like it, for Star Trek fairly demonic. Of, sure. Yeah, I was going to say it, it 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 wouldn't look out of place on Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
0: Yeah. And I guess maybe I consider that somewhat unique for Star Trek because I don't think Star Trek all sure, usually yeah. ever goes demonic with it, and I think it's just mm-hmm. building off of the Nazi imagery and the red of the swastika flags matches the red of their eyes and things like that. So I, mm-hmm. I was okay with it. I, I think the strongest sequence is at the end of the second episode where they, they do the thing instead of hopping through the time portal immediately. The guy gives a speech about how they're going to like dominate the the time the time universe and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that they if they had been more prominent in the temporal cold war story they're kind of a villain with something going on a little bit like they have at least sure. a reason yeah. to be
1: doing some, something and I I liked well, that that's, I mean that's what's missing that's what's missing from the temporal cold war thing is is really they play they <laughs> it's it's such a weird overarching plot line to do over 3 seasons because there's so <coughs> excuse me they don't give you anything up front so it's all super vague so you don't know why anything is happening it's just that these kind of people are mad at each other and then when they finally do give you stuff at the end of season three it's all insanity and you're wondering why daniels can't step in the way that these other guys are stepping in and is this separate from the cold war is this part of it and then in this one they actually give you some some sort of an antagonist for this temporal Cold War that would have been nice to have if you wanted to craft, you know, a workable story out of it instead of what they ended up doing.
0: What do you think of the villain's offer to Archer where he offers to send him home in exchange for letting their plan go to fruition with the promise that he'll correct things once he gets to the other timeline?
1: Yeah, it, it showed me that Archer has a better handle on time travel than a lot of the time travel people do. <laughs> not, not that this guy didn't, because clearly he was just you know giving him the the devil's bargain kind of thing, and he knows exactly what was going to happen. But Archer is like, no, I, I'm, this isn't my first temporal rodeo here, pal. If I, you send me back to the future, my future doesn't exist because of what you're doing here. And the guy's like, oh, you've been here before. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's nice to see Archer actually retain some of that temporal knowledge more so than even Daniel's had, apparently, based on <laughs> the last couple episodes we watched.
0: Yeah, Archer's about to whip out his um, flow chart about how things are, are how how Primer works <laughs> in time travel history. He walks over I,
1: and he flips over the chalkboard like Doc Brown and he puts the line <laughs> and he's like, we skew into the separate timeline.
0: It's that Christopher Nolan YouTube video where he explains the plot of Memento, how time works in Memento. He's got the chalkboard <laughs> in the circle and he's like, we're right mm-hmm. here and I'm going to go over here. It's actually a good video. I'm making fun of him, but it is pretty good. Um, I... I, I maybe tell me if I'm crazy or not. I thought that that bargain scene was actually somewhat unique for Enterprise because I don't think I've ever seen antagonists on Enterprise try to bargain with our heroes in that kind of a way. The problem with it sure. was that his, his, his offer was clearly ridiculous and that there's no reason that Archer would yes, ever actually yeah. buy into this. That is what undoes it. But I like the scene at least of having the alien. It felt like there was kind of a nuance to these aliens that I haven't felt in other antagonists, especially like the Zindi and stuff like that, where that alien knows that he's kind of fucked with this technology from 1944. So in order to try to get the thing done, he's going to let Archer go back to the future and, and he's he's kind of just like throwing this against the wall to see what sticks, but I appreciate it because he should be that kind of desperate at that point in his alien plot sure. for what he's doing. So I just thought it was... I don't think these aliens are top 10 antagonists of Star Trek or anything, but I did feel that they at least felt like something was going on in Enterprise particularly, yeah. even though it's not really all that much. I appreciated
1: the attempt. Yeah, what's actually too bad is i feel like he makes him the wrong deal because like you're saying it's a ridiculous deal and archer's very quick to shoot it down and be like no i know this how this works that isn't gonna you're just gonna screw me over you're just gonna you know you're the the, the what's the the fable of going across the river and then the alligator eats oh, the it's chicken? So scorpion
0: and the frog is that? Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah here you
1: go sure <laughs> yeah. where the where the scorpion eats the chicken yes yeah yeah um, with the bag of rice <clears throat> because like you know you're looking for you're you're stuck with this this time travel plot where you send Archer back into the past or you send them all back into the past into this timeline destroying whatever and you got to get out of it but you also kind of want to make something out of it too so instead of having the villain say we can send you back to the future no problem and we'll make sure everything is fixed for you i'm surprised that he didn't say to archer if you work with me, you can cho- You can make the future happen the way you want it to, which would yep. mean that the Zindi never attack Earth. Yeah, seven million people don't die. You know this. That he never gets that sort of power, power play, which I think is what sending him back into into the past would do. Because honestly, I mean, like we've talked about this before. What time travel stories generally are is. Um, is, is usually coming to terms with the fact that you can't change the past or when if you're presented with the possibility of changing the future, how you react to that. There's usually some a little bit more meat on the bone if you're sending somebody back in time or forward in time or whatever. And this doesn't really have that and I think that would have been the place to do it where instead of it just being like, oh, yay, the timeline is secured and the Nazis never won because if the Nazis won, that would be bad. You give your... You use the time travel device or mechanic to give your main character a real uh, ethical problem, where yeah. he's given the opportunity to have this power to change everything and save everybody who didn't die or whatever, or who or died yeah. in the past season or whatever. But it's too bad they don't do that. Is that a Faustian bargain? What's a Faustian bargain? Is that is that uh, the good version of that story? let me say here Fa- Faustian yeah I get, yeah, Faustian bar- bargain is like a sell your soul to the devil type situation a
0: pact whereby a person trades something of supreme moral or spiritual importance such as the soul for some world material benefit okay is it kind of a? it's maybe like a Robert reverse Johnson. Faustian bargain
1: yeah I because I, I 100% agree with you I think that, that- <laughs> don't try to pull the reverse Faustian on me alien I've been to time travel I know how it works <laughs> He's looking it up on Wikipedia too. I,
0: I, because I agree with you. I think that what's lacking from that scene is that there's actually some sort of decision that Archer has to be has to make. You know, right, I, I, right. I, I, like the concept of that scene and the aliens signing and promise something and Archer not being able to do it or not wanting to do it. But the the way that it's constructed is not effective enough for Archer to even consider it for a moment because this, yeah, it's the guy with the gun saying, "Trust me." Like you step through the door first right. and you go, right. well, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know about
1: that. It's, it's kind of the, the scene that I'm kind of pitching here is sort of the, I, I think what they were trying to do with the Daniel stuff in the last, uh, z- the last season three episodes, except that it didn't make any sense. The, 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 the offer that the situation they put Archer in didn't make any sense because, um, as we pointed out multiple times, Archer can see that if he does what he does, the future will be fine. So there's yeah. no, there is no choice to be made. It's like a false choice and it doesn't have any narrative weight. Yeah. And I think this would have, yeah, I think this would have been a nice place to kind of, to kind of make something out of the temporal war. Even if, even if that's the only moment you get out of it, maybe, maybe it makes it a little more worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good point. Mm-hmm. I, I on a like a super on a on a technical level I don't even know if this really matters anymore. I think that the the problem with that even if you got there is that Daniel's and the temporal cold war is so jumbled at that point that I wonder if you'd get to that end I feel in that situation You could easily arrive there if Daniels was more clear-cut. I guess guess what my concern is, and I Mm -hmm. can't really pinpoint why this would be a problem, is that that Daniels is so up and down and back and forth on what he thinks he's allowed to do that when that bargain came in, it feels that Daniels should be the counterpoint to the alien explaining to Archer why he can't do that. And I don't know if Daniels has any ground to be complaining about anything at that point. No.
1: Yeah, so... Honestly, the only other... (laughs) i would like to see one more temporal cold war episode where daniel shows up to talk to archer and then like daniels's supervisor comes in and he's like daniels you're just a janitor what are you doing <laughs> in messing with the timeline you're not supposed to be doing this he's like sorry boss you're really bad take at off, this take off that ribbed condom outfit daniels and get back here to <laughs> clean these things up it's Are you wearing my temporal suit, Daniels? You're supposed to be dry cleaning it, not wearing it. I hate Daniels. I thought Daniels was a C- here, which is maybe
0: the best that Daniels has ever been. I I do think it's ridiculous when he stumbles in and he's half-aged and he falls into flocks or whatever. I was like, this is absurd that this is where he ends up. But I didn't mind him talking to Archer. I thought when he's young again at the end or back to his normal shape, they didn't linger on it too long Uh, there was no horribly embarrassing scene where they shake hands and archer's like well it's been a hell of a time knowing you daniels and then they like kiss or whatever and then they leave archer is pretty much at the end going fuck yourself if i ever see you again it's gonna be too soon and i liked that i I thought that that was a good way to end a terrible character on uh this series
1: yeah yeah (laughs) they should have given him a cheesy parting line where he was like well maybe next Time, Archer. You'll always make time Time's for the actually, temporal that, agents, Archer. <laughs> isn't that isn't that how is that how how next generation ends? Does Q may have a line like that at the he end has, of the, uh, he says, the trial? Um, as there, he does
0: say something. He about says, time. "You'll it's find not, out." I
1: think. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's not a pun.
1: I don't think it's a pun if he if he says something like that. But um <laughs> he should have said, "Well, it's time for me to go," or is it when? for me to go and then just walk (laughs) away. My favorite spice
0: when cooking is time. Jonathan, do you enjoy (laughs) seasoning your food with time as well? I think that the, the last final, uh, before we move on to something else for the, the cold war, I think that the, the epitome of the cold war, I think in these episodes is when Silic shows up and, Silic has a. I was very confused about his what he. Was I don't know to do what Silic is doing. I don't know what whose side Silic <laughs> yeah. is on. I don't know why he showed up. No I don't idea. know why he has to die except for the fact that he can't be around anymore. I don't know if he's still working for the invisible
1: shadowy figure. And yeah. they kind I of think, explain. They kind of explain it a bit, and when he's talking to Archer, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, we don't like the temporal guys, but they actually saved our lives, but we still want to yeah. kill them." And I was like, okay, "Yeah, okay, well, sure."
0: No, that's that's exactly what it is. I think he's it's so it ties back into whatever the episode that was where Silik attempts to blow up the Enterprise or whatever and he doesn't and we're confused about whether or not this is supposed to be the plan. If it's not the plan, why did he do that in the first place? The the mm-hmm. Silic and the Suluban are terrible as well, I think, but they just they were shoved into that Cold War stuff and none of their motivation ever was grounded in anything. It was just what they needed them to do as villains and here it's still just admitting to that as much. It's like, yeah, well, we sometimes fight with them, but I want to save Daniel's life this time because that's great. Let me take off my makeup. I'll run around with you. Uh, the shadowy guy sent me back to fix this, but I can't have these gray skin guys doing stuff either. And it's like, all right, well,
1: you 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 know,
0: yeah, forward, forward on the deep. When he showed up, keep
1: moving. When he showed up and he and he confronts Trip and he's like, "Get into the shuttlecraft. I don't want to have to shoot you." I'm like, okay. I guess he needs Trip for something and then he shoots Trip. Drags him out of the room apparently and then just jumps into the shuttlecraft and drives off. I was like, "Oh, okay, so he didn't he didn't need Trip, but he was going to take him with him?"
0: I don't okay, yeah, sure. Don't.
1: So then they then they go down. <laughs> they go down to the place and then Trip gets captured blah 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 blah. And then eventually Silic ends up back on the Enterprise. With like nothing to show for it, and he didn't really as did he do anything while he was there except for figure out how to weasel into the compound. That seemed to be the only thing he did, right? Unless I missed something.
0: I don't know. This is my my weakness of this is that as you were saying, I I found it hard to pay hundred percent attention or to care about the, like it was. It's not an episode that I sat there thinking, "What, what is Silic doing." Why is he doing anything? It seemed yeah. plainly obvious yeah. that Silic has to go where Silic has to go in order for these things to happen. Silic has to get back to the Enterprise so he can put his sweet weather bomber jacket on and go down with Archer and do whatever he needs to do. I don't know why. I don't know why he got into the shuttle where he was planning to go. They shot the shuttle down. He ended up on Earth. He got back somehow. He's explaining to Archer.
1: It's, I didn't know they could shape shift. Is that always been something yeah, they could do? Is that they could turn into other people? Okay. Yep. What you know what I probably would have done if I had to wrap all this stuff up? I would have had, um I know this is kinda convoluted and whatnot, but you work with what you get, I guess. Um I would have revealed that the uh the blue faced guys were Sulaban. It was Silic. It was Silic in the sky, as a as a different alien or something. So Sorry, Archie who are the blue face guys or some shit like that? You mean the, the, the red Nazi? eye guys, the demon Nazi aliens? Yeah, okay. yeah the Nazi yeah. guys, the Nazi aliens, uh, or or have you know you know so at least you're keeping it in house when you're doing this stuff mm. instead of bringing in a new species that's only there for this thing. Then you can pay off the Sulaban as these bad guys that are doing whatever, and I don't know.
0: It's true. I mean, the, the problem there is, I would have then looked back at all the previous Suleiman appearances. And gone. Does this make sense? Like what they've what they're doing here at the end? Is this what they've been trying to do the entire I, time? Who cares? I know that's that's the problem with I've, That's the problem with talking about this episode. Right? Is our podcast yeah. could be who cares? <laughs> like it's over. It, it, it doesn't really matter. So it's difficult to break down. It's difficult to track yeah. and try to pay attention to. Did you hate this episode?
1: No. No, I didn't hate it. I actually thought, I thought the uh, the stuff with uh, the woman—I just can't remember the character's name. I can't remember. Was their names good either. She was good. They, I, I'm always impressed that they find, anytime a show or whatever does this kind of stuff, they always find one or two little details that I think are really nice that that work well. Like the Billy Holiday thing, I thought was kind of nice—a nice, a nice yeah. detail to throw in there of Occupied Brooklyn or whatever. Um i thought she was pretty good uh sure you you've got her and two uh gabagool gangster guys fighting off an entire platoon of nazi guys whatever at the With end the pistol Where they <laughs> they they drive up in like 15 nazis in like a narrow straightaway there's no way to hide open yep. fire on this car and then the t- Sopranos guy just like jaunts out of the car and they're just shooting at him nothing's coming near him and then he throws a grenade and kills like five of them yeah but you know you, that's, that's you know what the I, trappings of the show i guess
0: it, it's it's an interesting mix of that stuff because i i wouldn't say i love what archer does in the nazi In the U.S. and stuff like that, I think that the characters there are Mm -hmm. pretty much fine. I think that it generally does what it needs to do. The gangsters or the gangsters or whatever, it kind of hints at a semi-federation thing of the uh, groups, all semi or different groups working together. Blah blah blah. I don't think that's the intent, but that's kind of like what an implication would be from it. Um, I I I found myself intrigued by little details here that the that the show doesn't have time to get into. One is that the show goes out of its way to explain how well, I was watching it going. The Nazis made it to the East coast of the U S it's like, how are they holding all of this territory yeah, at this point? I was thinking like the same thing. Yeah. And then the show goes in out, out of its way. I was thinking, I don't, I don't know this, like in actual historical context. What was Nazi Germany's plan? Like they can't go too far because you can't control right. all that area yeah.
1: But in the there's show, there's not they make exactly. It. Yeah, I was just gonna say there's not exactly the same sort of like, at least as far as I know, island system in the Atlantic Ocean that allows you yeah. to say attack. Yeah, the from Pacific Japan or the attack, Pacific Theater or, or whatever. Japan. Yeah, yeah. The, the I, that, that's goes, the thing I was thinking. I was. I was just gonna say, I was I was doing that math in my head where I was like, could the Nazis have? even effectively attacked the east coast yeah that's a long way to go (laughs) and like the east coast i mean i was thinking well could they i mean they would the defense would obviously be solid but the east coast is obviously huge but you're not the east coast is huge so you're not not going to attack all of it at the same time yeah what are the chances that the that you could actually invade the nazis could have invaded and taken over like a third of the united states and i feel yeah like basically everything before denied.
0: the mississippi the purchase you know, like the uh Louisiana yeah I mean, I mean i Sorry. guess was, that was what it was america i guess
1: we're not i guess we're not considering laser guns that they might have had in order to do it like the no uh, the show the goes out of its way to explain
0: how this was possible, which I which I applaud. But oh, they, that's right. Yeah,
1: the the alien plot was
0: so complicated that what they did was assassinate Lenin, so that communism yes, never took yes, over the Soviet right. Union, and therefore Nazi Germany so did see yeah, the communists right. as a threat, so they could focus on the eastern on the their western front basically, which would be our east coast. I was like, that's a lot of thought going into, <laughs> into explaining how the Nazis could get to the Washington D.C. It was interesting.
1: Yeah, I still don't. I still don't know if they make it. Honestly, that's a no. It would, very, it would be it would be extremely difficult.
0: I would have to assume the ways guns played more of aircraft a carriers than, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they killed Lenin. That was the alien plot. They killed <laughs> the reads of reviewing the histories. Like Lenin was assassinated. So what, the, what the hell happened there? It was, it was, it yeah, was interesting, clever. interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. Very. It's a plan where a lot of things could go wrong. You'd think you'd rather just arm the Nazis with plasma guns and have them shoot everybody with it, and that would be an effective enough uh, well, example.
1: Actually, actually, if we want to get nerdy about this, <clears throat> um, killing Lenin actually might – do you remember when? what year they said they killed Lenin?
0: No, I think it was right after his rise to power. So it would have been like the 1910s, something like that,
1: 1920s, the, the okay. latest. Yeah, because Lenin was sent to Russia by the Germans in World War One mm. in order to – Basically, cause the Bolshevik Revolution. I believe it's the Bolshevik Revolution. Yeah, um, and take Russia's focus away from World War One, so Germany, exactly like they're saying in the show, wouldn't have to focus on Russia. But if you do, if you assassinate Lenin, then Russia can focus on Germany in World War One, and Germany probably loses even worse in World War One. So arguably, World War Two might not happen the same way.
0: Yeah, it, it puts a lot of emphasis on the fact that the Nazis didn't like communism. They're like, "That's enough. That, yeah, that'll stop. Yeah.
1: That'll, that'll stop
0: them from attacking them." If they just, they could probably attack them, but as long as they're not totally ideologically opposed to whatever systems they each have, it was just a, a strange, um, strange.
1: Being. It is. It is very interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. I would have actually enjoyed. I was thinking maybe Star Trek should do more weird, bizarre, like deep dive historical time alters like that it's like it's kind of an interesting idea actually i I think it's absurd but it's like what a it's i just like i like complicating the what if of history more than just what if the nazis won if it's more of like a strange version of how that came about
1: and i don't know yeah you know what show actually does that really well is um legends of tomorrow the dc show on on Mm. uh on the cw It started out. The first season was was pretty garbage, but the the second season is really really fun, and it's a lot of that where it's basically they're on this time ship, and they keep getting these alerts that something in the timeline has been messed with, and so then they have to go to that point in time, and you see how everything is different, and they have to fix everything. It's it's pretty fun.
0: Yeah, it's there's 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 ample room to romp around in there. Uh, Stormfront's not interested in the romping aspect. Anything else about the Nazi stuff? I I liked the the, uh, the edited montage, the war propaganda stuff that opens the second episode with the black and white footage of Hitler yes. in DC yes, and stuff like good, that. That was, kinda, that was kind of neat. needs. Um, again, mm-hmm. horrible use of the new opening theme music. <laughs> right, after the, right after the Nazis <laughs> have invaded uh, America, and the, the Holocaust never
1: ended. It's been a long road. <laughs> Anything yeah, else about um, the Nazis? The only, other thing that's, the only other thing that stood out to me is that I appreciated or I was impressed that Trip had absolutely no qualms about recklessly killing Nazis at the first chance that he got by yeah, sending the bombs I was thinking into that the, the shuttlecraft and then just killed like 15 guys with indiscriminately.
0: It's the uh, the video game rule. If you're killing people, they have to be Nazis. It's like an acceptable thing. Yep, you know. Yeah. It's like as long as it's a Nazi, mm-hmm. you can just shoot them because they, they blow them up at the end. Uh, any other person, there would be mm-hmm. serious consideration on Archer's part about whether or not they have the right to time travel back in time and blow up Brooklyn and stuff like that. But if it's Nazis, eh, fuck them. Um, I don't disagree. It's really, it really, it's a decision.
1: It, yeah, it really goes a long way to show you. Not in this. I just mean in general that that general rule to show you how awful those people that they were as like an those ethos people and an, uh, as. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no. The, how awful the Nazis were is because even now, almost a hundred years later, maybe less than that, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's still like no, no. That's you can shoot them in anything. You you need a bad guy. You use, you put a Nazi in it. It's fine. You blow him up. Doesn't matter. Not really a person. Not really yeah. a big deal.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I guess that's the. I guess that's the danger of this, which was started last season and isn't fault the fault of these episodes, but they are just a. They have kind of become just a generic evil to the point where they've lost any meaning to them beyond just being generic evil. You know, it's like sure, sure. Nazism isn't focused on in this episode. It's just the symbol no, of what no Nazis no. are that yeah. I would argue like the, the amplification of the aliens, the Nazi aliens is the only reference to Nazism that you have, uh, kind of like their belief in themselves as like the the ultimate state that should be controlling everything. Um, Right, right. But no, they're just, they're used to short. And again, it's not this episode's fault because Berman and Braga decided to end the last season with the Nazis. So you kind of have to have Nazis in Mm -hmm. this opening thing. But they, it does add to the laziness feeling of it where I think even in other series when they had Nazis and stuff, it wasn't literal... Nazis. It was alien cultures that acted that way, that had a
1: kind of like fascist outlook or the same kind of propaganda mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So, I or don't know. you know, even if you if you look at City on the Edge of Forever, the Nazis play a big role in that, but not directly. It's right. a, they're yeah. they're taking a small sliver of if you drop this this pebble here instead of over here, then the Nazis win, right? Uh, which is which is a more uh it's it's a more uh, elegant way to to use them in your story without just you know jackbooting all over the place and and whatnot.
0: Yeah. I thought the worst shot was there's a exterior <laughs> establishing shot of the White House with Nazi flags draped in front of it. it was like this is. Yes, yeah. I don't care for this. This is like <laughs> just a um it seemed too much. Hello. We'll we'll close with this thought and then we'll go to to the patron thoughts and everything. Um well, I think what I like about your sitting uh, on the Edge of Forever reference is that the Nazis there were on the periphery, but they provided the flavor and the context for Kirk's sacrifice and what Kirk decides to do in right. a very personal story there. Here, I thought the opposite was actually the case where the personal, like, the camera literally is in rooms in Brooklyn, you know? And it's, it's hard to get this all-encompassing understanding of what the nazis have done in this timeline it it, it felt mm-hmm. to me a little bit backwards like it wasn't an appropriate way to show the scale or it wasn't an appropriate way to use the nazis because it felt like they were trying to explain this gigantic change in nazi world history mm-hmm. but at the same time they couldn't really show you that because everything is so stuck in these small scenes with the characters sure and it was kind yeah. of the opposite of city on the edge which is why i think city on the edge is actually kind of a brilliant episode and this one's just like after is a star trek episode
1: you know yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> they use them for shorthand. They use them the same way uh, you use them in Indiana Jones, although not yep. as well, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, yep. Let's get to uh, patience. Why to couldn't then. they have picked a more interesting timeline? Like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna <laughs> firebomb your own show, I mean, maybe that was part of it. If you're gonna firebomb your own show by throwing everybody back into the past, do something different instead of Nazis. Yep. Pick. Uh, I don't know. I got nothing. The depression during I did, uh, Jimmy Carter.
0: <laughs> it's just gas prices are twelve dollars a gallon. Yeah, gas- <laughs> <laughs> Lines are out the
1: door. Archer has to gas
0: up the ship, and he can't afford it because the gas prices have uh, have caused everything to fall apart.
1: Yeah, do it. Uh, I, uh, the you get trip running cocaine in from Colombia or something. <laughs> um, the uh, the I did really appreciate that. Um, there was a certain I can't remember which episode it happens in, but I think it's Archer where he literally says what we said at the end of the last episode where he says, I wasn't expecting to get into another situation <laughs> after everything that happened last season. He's like, I was on my way home. I wasn't yes. expecting to get into another situation. It was like you and me both, John.
0: that That's I, that's the writers coming through, I think, because to Paul and Trip have the same conversation where Trip is like, I was going to be on a beach in Aruba.
1: That's <laughs> like, now I'm here. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe that's him. Yeah. yeah maybe it's Trip it's, that says it. I can't remember. It's Trip it, and to
0: Paul. To Paul wanted to go home and Trip wanted to go on the beach. Yeah. Beaches. I think that's the
1: same. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of um, writers. Uh, the 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 voice of the writer room I think coming through in those scenes So let's take a break, we'll play another clip from this episode Stormfront, these episodes And then we will uh, read some patron thoughts Give our final thoughts about Stormfront Part 1 and 2 The timeline's resetting itself You did it Bosk is dead He didn't make it back All of the damage he caused never happened And you're here to give me a pat on the back In a way Well I don't want it I want you to leave
1: me and my crew alone. We're done with you and your damn temporal Cold War. It's coming to an end because of what you did. You have no idea how many lives you've saved. I'll take your word for it.
0: Thank you very much for listening to the show today. We're done with Stormfronts Part 1 and 2. Enterprise's fourth season is off with a bang you can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you enjoyed all these content today, there's multiple contents you can do, go to the Patreon support us there. A couple of dollars a month, you get extra stuff, extra podcasts. You get the ability to uh, control what we talk about uh, in the future episodes. You get access to the captain's ready room on discord. If you're high enough level, that way you get early access to all the shows that usually come out two days early. So that's if, if that's your thing, Patreon's the best way to do that. And as always, We give a special thank you to our captain tier supporters who include Tark Latif, Samuel Custer, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Andrew Cherlog, Matt Ross, Michael Pond, Christian Patrick, Matt Cutler, Nick, Sergey Grim Santos, Sean Bradley, Killens, Cardinal, Doomsday, Dwayne Hackett, Vault 13 Hero, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell Oge, Stephen Minton, HH28, Darth Moss, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, G, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Johnny Franceschi, Mike Harris, Captain Brazen, Eric Antoine, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Rayhan Jaffer, Nick the Rat, Disbrada, Edmark Star, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardue, Grappler John Zorn, Retail, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter zw one remixes Captain Munchausen, James McLennan, <sighs> Beal, yeah Beal, Jonas, Tommy Tango, Two Vicks Must Die, Dennis Seifert, Chris McLaughlin, and Mutilated Puppet. Thank you very much, everybody, for supporting the show. We're now we well on our way loci? to Voyager.
1: Did we lose Loki?
0: Maybe the maybe the card didn't charge. That could be a possibility. Oh, we might have lost man. him to a credit card decline. So, Beal, oh, man. alert your alert your, your enemy that, that has happened. Well, maybe we'll see him next time, unless he uh, was upset with our coverage of Enterprise Season 3, he or she, whoever that is. Thanks very much, everybody, for supporting the show. It's nice when the names actually remind you of, like, it would, if generic name, not generic name, but if random person with a real name fell off, I might not notice it at this point because the list is so long, which is... Sad and terrific at the same time. All right, let's go to patron thoughts about this one and then we'll wrap it up. Kyle Barrett says Stormfront. I fucking hate these episodes. Despite its clean, textualist digital <laughs> appearance that makes it look like a daytime soap opera, season four is largely fantastic, but it's bookended by the worst episodes of the series. I don't blame Kodo for this episode. He's doing his best wrangling the weird pieces he's been gifted and trying to make some sense out of them, but straight after the Zindi arc, it all feels repetitive. At its best, this two-part, it feels like a part episode of Doctor Who, but it feels to be fun, and it seems like Kodo has just decided to intentionally sacrifice these two episodes to eliminate the lingering tem- temporal Cold War arc. And begin the season proper next episode. I might hate Stormfront less if it was in the middle of the season, but like Trip, I just want them to get home already. And this is a worthless diversion that even sweet Bobby Bakula can't save. One out of five. Next comment is Royo. If I, sorry, f-
1: I forgot, I forgot that that guy's name was Bobby Bakula, and I was like, "That's a really interesting nickname he has for Scott Bakula." <laughs> It's very
0: close. They should have had. They should have had Archer on Sopranos. Quantum Rayo Leap, says, that show starring Sweet Bobby Bacula. <laughs> Royo says, if a four out of five is a recommendation to a non trekkie to watch the episode, I give this two-part a flat zero because it makes me embarrassed to be a fan of Star Trek. Literal Nazis with death rays and Nazi flags draped over the White House and Enterprise tries to play it all straight. Legitimately, they've been better off hamming it up with they'd have been better off hamming it up with camp and shooting the episode in black and whites if they were really going to do Nazis with death rays in 44. Commanding Conquers Red Alert 2 from 2000 understood the need to not be overly serious by having Soviet general Vladimir polishing his boots with an American flag in the Oval Office of the White House, melding dark historical humor with acting cheese. They even brought back J. Paul Bamer to reprise his role as a Nazi from Voyager's Killing Game. Unfortunately, his holodeck Nazi character had far more of a point in Voyager despite not even being real or even having a name. Zero out of five. Ouch. Rahan Jaffer says, A strong start to the final season of Enterprise with this detour in Archer's family history as Daniel's transports him back in time to protect his ancestor, Jean-Francois Archer, from the Suluban. Remember them in early 18th century France. Interesting piece of trivia, the surprisingly graphic two-minute-long scene of flocks slaughtering a pheasant was cut to just 17 seconds for British television as the censors felt it breached guidelines on animal cruelty. It was only broadcast in full for the first time in 2014. Five bacula ridiculous accents out of five. Join the Discord for these I, insights into the jokes that people are making.
1: I apparently haven't been reading the Discord <laughs> thing because I don't know what the hell he's talking about.
0: Norman Buckwald says Berman and Braga closed the previous season by giving a finger to the new showrunners by suddenly introducing space Nazis. Kodota says to return the favor by giving the finger to ending the long forgotten temporal Cold War. When I can comment more about the killing game from Voyager, you know something is wrong. A noble try, but sorry. One out of five. Patrons hate it so far. Point to G. Ha, ha 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 ha. Alien Nazis. Ha 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 ha. Okay, this isn't terrible. It's actually enjoyable. Just don't think about it too much. A fun little romp with time travel chicanery. But let's see if things can get serious from here. William G says, Why? Why does Star Trek always go to World War II and the Nazis? I get that you wanted the holodeck character in Voyager to be based off a real Nazi, but we do we need to have two episodes to explain it? I don't know if, as people suggested, this was all cooked up to resolve the Temporal Cold War, as it seems too convoluted, like someone came up with this as an alternate for season three, but was vetoed only to win a writer's game of poker to get the right two episodes for seasons four. Two heel clicks out of
1: five. It is kind of interesting that in 2004, well, I mean, I guess it's Star Trek in general, they always go to World War Two. It makes sense because obviously that's like, that was like the big, the last gigantic world event, obviously, like, the that pivoted the entire globe. Yeah. Um, but they never also go like... it doesn't have politics attached to it, really, you know? It's not Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's why I always wondered why people and use World War II more than, like, say, World War One, because World War One is, like, just was so brutal and, and whatnot. It seems like there's a lot more fertile storytelling ground there. <clears throat> but it occurred. It occurred to me a long time ago. I was like, "Oh well, World War II has a bad guy. It's easy. Yeah. There's. It's pretty. Pre- not literally. It's not e- explicitly black and white. But it's about as black and white as a as a war can be. Really. Is is uh, yeah. The good guys versus the Nazis. Quote yeah, unquote, it has um, the Nazis. So
0: it has a sort of characterization to things. Um, yeah, yeah. It's also World War One was just so primitive it's like world war ii is actually kind of effective at uh, like they've gotten better at the the war technology and stuff like that Grapple john zorn says two episodes in one podcast cowards fine i'm writing 10 sentences as soon as i can think of them he never managed to think of them i don't think eric mcgowan says an awful episode that bafflingly wastes a ridiculous amount of time with stock ww2 W- yeah, World War II characters no one cares about. Overall, it's slightly forgivable only because Season 3's cliffhanger set this disaster up in the first place, and by the end of this, at least the temporal Cold War is laid to rest. Matt Ross says, I played this game on my Xbox. It was called Wolfenstein New Order. Welcome to the generic backlot of Paramount, bland, dull, filled with cliche characters and Nazi references that are hackneyed and tired. Daniels really sucks as a temporal agent, and it's clear the writers had to end this indie arc and tie up all the other ridiculous plot lines of the temporal Cold War as fast as possible, except who is the shadow guy of the Suliban from episode one? It is odd and yet also hilarious that the crew are not really broken up about their lost captain. Paul denying time travel just makes you want to scream, oh, shut up. Resolving the temporal cold war by resetting the timeline to make it right makes me ask, if there was no temporal shenanigans by the correction, does that mean that the entire series to this point is irrelevant since starting with the Suluban, none of this should have ever happened? One make it stops out of five. Final comment. Latte Librarian says, Gumby Sillick is disturbing to watch. Sweet summer child Mayweather just realized the bad guys have time machines. Nothing like more time travel to fix your time travel problems. Two destinies out of five. Thanks, everybody, for leaving your thoughts about Stormfront. Overwhelming negativity, Clay, <laughs> coming from the patrons. Mm. What are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five?
1: Um, I don't... I'm... <laughs> mm, I'm torn between a two and a three.
0: Yeah because
1: uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's garbage, but it is it is the definition. Well, I guess it's technically not even a filler episode because they do wrap up a bunch of plot lines and stuff technically, but um, it's about as close as you can get to that while also wrapping up a plot line. Um,
0: My problem is yeah. whether or not this functions weakly enough to be a two, and if it's only a two because of the garbage it was put into it. You know what I mean? Like, does the episode itself work as well as it can, given what the fundamental problems are? In that case, I would give this a three. But if you include the previous problems, it kind of bumps it down to a two because the whole thing... Honestly, my rationale for bumping it down to be a two would just be like, this felt somewhat like a waste of time. Even though, as you yeah, say, it does yeah. resolve plot lines at the same time, like fundamental core R- to the series put, identity, put, it solves uh, these problems.
1: Put a, a couple huge quotes around resolve in that, I think. Um, sure. Even though they do resolve them, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know if it's technically a satisfying revolu- resolution. 13
0: but out but of 13. We, I, I will never say Cold War <laughs> Temporal arc again for the remainder of the series. And so in, in terms of what we're looking at, yeah. I guess, yeah,
1: yeah. I think I think I'm gonna go with a two because it's two episodes. You've you've wasted the first two episodes of your short short and final season on this, and like, could you have done this in one? Probably. Yeah. Is there really a huge reason to extend it? No. Um, does it really get you anything to extend it? No. I would assume um, it's
0: a budget constraint. They need more episodes with the same costumes and character and actors and stuff like that to make the cost yeah. worth
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm I'm going to give it a 2, I think, because I think it takes up too much space. Yeah. And it I'll, doesn't do that much with it.
0: I'll give it a I'll give it a 2 as well. I just I guess my my overriding sense was that it was actually not as bad as I was expecting. Based on what people were saying about it, and I think what the patrons are saying here, uh, Kyle yeah. Barrett says it's one of there's the worst way episodes. Worse episodes. Of the- I think there's way worse episodes of Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. It's, I think its biggest sin is it's very boring, and it's two episodes. That that was the real problem for me when mm-hmm. I was watching. It was like, oh man, I got another one of these things to get through. Like this is this is just too much of this Nazi Star Trek episode that I have to get through. So it's a little bit boring. It's too much. it it fails because of what it is in that I guess I'll give it a two as well. That seems fair to me to give it a two. Two, twos. Yeah, I think so. World War two. I guess it's thematically appropriate. <laughs> so that's it thank you patrons for leaving your thoughts about the episode thank you everybody for listening patreon.com slash the penske file if you want to support the show i give it a two clay gives it a two we'll be back with home which is the next episode enterprise gets home as you saw at the end of
1: this one um anything you want to say clay um <clears throat> thank you for listening to rotten Horror picture show if you are in fact doing that we've got uh American Werewolf in London is probably out at this point, And then after that, we'll be doing The Invitation, which I'm excited about as it's the uh, uh, follow-up movie from the woman who directed Jennifer's Body and is a fantastic movie, I think. Invitation so is I'm the Netflix that. movie,
0: isn't it? Is that The Invitation?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't remember if it's in a Netflix original, but like that's where it lives, uh, seemingly in perpetuity on Netflix. Yeah. Great, great okay. movie. Um, And Trucking Along on Badass... We're getting close to the end, actually. We've only got a few episodes left, I think, by this point. And, uh, yeah, we're going into uh, the new line years on the Patreon coverage of Friday the 13th with uh, Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday.
0: Yep. You guys would have done your live stream by now, so it's out. If people want to hear Clay mm-hmm. and his thoughts about the first eight episodes in the final uh, Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. You don't want I to be was, a patron, but you want to I hear always forget you can listen
1: to that stuff. I always forget you can listen to that stuff afterwards. Yep. Yeah.
0: So if you guys want to hear what they have to say in general terms about the series, you can listen to that live stream, which will have happened on August, Friday the 13th. And I guess that's it. We're on with Home. This is a short Enterprise season, so we're going to be burning through these things. It's got two two two-parters, so that cuts down our episode count. We've got only a limited number of episodes in the first place. People like the fourth season. We'll see how Home works out in that way with a... Home will be the first episode I've, of the new season. Basically, there's no, uh, you know, if Berman and Braga had not ended with Nazi imagery in season three, Home would have been the episode we just watched because it is right after they get back from the Zindi uh, arc. There's like
1: no time time mm-hmm. travel shenanigans. I see. That. Okay. So yeah, we're done. I, you know, I'll tell you, best best season. People love it. I've heard that. I've heard that before it's never quite turned out that way. We've heard that four (laughs) seasons
0: running on Enterprise, I think. I can't think if there was another Mm, mm -hmm. um, DS9. People like DS9 season six, but, uh, yeah, that's for another time. We we were a little bit more down on season six because it has some really clunky stinkers in season six as well. Um, But, yeah, that's it, Enterprise season four. I'm looking forward to more digital photography. So (laughs) the passion that drives me is digital photography. Make sure you notice it for the next time. I can't
1: can't wait till they really go, they really push the technology and get that like Michael Mann collateral look where everything's really digitally blown out because he's using like half of a light to light an entire room.
0: (laughs) They have some terrific star wipes coming up that you're really gonna, they're really gonna (laughs) blow your socks off. (laughs) Thanks very much everybody for listening. Hope you enjoyed our coverage of Stormfront. Let us know what you thought about it down below, or you can email us social media. Otherwise, we'll see you next time with Home. Bye.